when we're ready. starting to sound like Chris Harrison of The Bachelor, but this week we have an absolutely jam-packed show like you've never seen it before. This is Waking the Red presented by Cody Talks Live. My name's not Chris Harrison, actually, Mitchell Tierney. The only Rose we'll be talking about on this show might be Andy, who scored against Toronto FC in a 2-2 draw this week. But we might be talking about rings as Toronto FC acquired Jefferson Soteldo and potentially more moves on the way after more GAM deals this week. We'll also get you set, of course, in a special preview show for tonight's match against Cruz Azul. And it's a special showtime, as I'm sure you guys have noticed, because when you have a guest like we do this week, you make time for them. Joining us momentarily here is Canadian broadcasting legend Andy Petrillo to get us set for the Cruz Azul. But first, Jeff, Michael, how are we doing this week? You're the worst, Mitch. You're, you're the worst. <laughs> Just for that interview, okay. you're the worst. Is this going to be the most dramatic Waking the Red Weekly ever, Mitch? I just I wanted to know. Of course. You danced of course. around that, but but if you're going to ape Chris Harrison. I'm not, I'm not trying to get copyright. Uh... <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah, but I think our on. guest is actually ready, yeah, so we should uh, mm-hmm. we should get to her right away. Uh, joining us now, a Canadian sports media legend, host of Leafs Lunch, CBC Road to the Olympic Games, and of course, one soccer's coverage of the CONCACAF Champions League. Andy Petrillo, thank you so much for taking the time this week. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's quite the intro. I appreciate it. I, on the one hand, thank you for that. <laughs> well, that's good. I definitely wasn't getting it from these guys. But uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And I mean, we'll get right into it. It's the news of the day. Toronto FC confirming the mm-hmm. signing of Jefferson Soltedo. What are your thoughts on on the signing and what it could mean for Toronto FC? And how do you pronounce his name? I say Jefferson (laughs) Soltado. So, yes. And when he he did his little, I guess he was at the airport and he was doing a whole little can't wait to see you. But, of course, he said his name so quickly, but I just kept replaying it. So, (laughs) I mean, that's also part of broadcasting, right? You always want to make sure that you you get the name as, uh, you know, uh, pronounced properly as much as possible. I mean, there's certain Mm -hmm. names that have a certain flair and accent that you're never really going to nail. But, of course, you always try to figure out how they properly say their name. And I think there's excitement. Of course, there's excitement, right? I think a lot of people have been waiting for Toronto FC to get that third DP. Um, You know, I I don't think I'm speaking out of line or, you know, revealing a secret to anybody that we all know TFC was definitely chasing down a number nine. They wanted somebody who they felt could really be up there and score a lot of goals. But when we spoke to to Bill Manning a couple weeks ago, the tone changed a little bit. He was describing more of that winger and a guy who could score goals, but also create plays. And you're just like, Hmm, okay, wait a second. That's shifted a bit. Um, So, you know, clearly now they, they went and got uh, Jefferson. So it's exciting, but I would also just say, and this is, this is so typical of every fan base. And I would, I would probably put the warning out now. Yes. His size and yes, him being a DP and yes, him not being (laughs) Canadian Right away, we want to start comparing him to Javinko. And I just don't know if that's fair. Um, a, I think it's because Javinko just set the bar at a, at a different level. Like, just respect what he did for TFC and just kind of know that he's in a, in a separate class, right? I'm not saying that there's somebody who can't ever reach that or surpass that, but we just kind of have to know where Javinko is in the history of TFC legends. So I think that's all a little unfair if we were to right away just start comparing him, right? Because what, they're both 5'2", 5'3", like... You know, anyway, so it's just kind of like, let let that be. Let Jefferson create his own legacy here. Because if you already start to say, okay, well, this is what Javinko did. Is he going to do the same thing? Ah, you might set yourself up for disappointment. Andy, if if he starts uh, posting Instagram selfies of enjoying the espresso in Yorkville, it's all over. I'm sorry. Then Wait, that, you don't like that's... Zaza's? You don't want to go to Zaza's? What's, what's wrong with that coffee place? Everyone deserves to know about it. Yes, yes, I know. If he starts doing that, we're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. If he starts selling baseball hats and, you know, it's just, that's it. That's it. 
<laughs> thank you yeah. again for joining us. I know you're again really busy, so we appreciate you taking the time. Um, another narrative that's been following TFC this season, along with obviously that DP mm-hmm. hunt, has been their young guns and Chris mm-hmm. Armis's willingness to play his young players. I want to ask you, is there a young gun in particular that has stood out to you early on in Chris Armis's tenure? Has there been one that's maybe taken advantage of the opportunity? Uh, to me, it would probably have to be Luke Singh. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of them have really looked good. I think Okello was robbed of his first goal, as we all know, in that second uh, in uh, his second leg in CONCACAF. But uh, I, I really, and Ralph Prizo has looked great. He's been told basically to follow Bradley and be a yeah. shadow. And I think he's done just that. And he's done it well. But I... <laughs> For me, the reason why Luke Singh, you know, also just kind of stands out is because I always think no matter what, being a defender, just defense in general is always harder uh, because, you know, being up front or being, being in the middle, sometimes being a playmaker, when you have that natural ability, uh, when you're creative, when you're offensive, I feel that comes a little bit easier than knowing where to be in a system defensively, right? Because that's taught. For sure. And you have to absorb that. And he came on in, you know, just green as green could be. And, you know, he's trying to stick with, with Gonzalez. He's not, you know, the, the go-to guy. That's definitely, you know, Mavinga. And then when Mavinga went down, that was definitely Zavaleta. And then Zavaleta went down and all of a sudden Luke Singh gets this deal. But I, I think he's done really well and I think he stood out. And yeah, okay, it's great to say he's rewarded with that goal in that game against Vancouver. That's obviously not what he's here for, although it's nice to know that he can get up on set pieces. But I just think defense is harder, especially if you're a young guy to come on in and kind of be in a system and just know where to be because you really just have to think two, three steps ahead each and every time, I think. So that's why he's impressed me. And yeah, so I, I think Luke Singh would probably be the one who has stood out the most to me. Yeah, you're, you're definitely not alone there. Uh, Jeff, yeah. I think you had a question. I do, I do. It's just uh, Peter Pakachian brought up uh, Schaffelberg is shining and should be yeah. played more. And uh I think Schaffelberg might be in a bad mood today because there's someone coming in that, you know, maybe taking away quite a bit of his minutes. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't even know if I have a question there because obviously <laughs> uh, we got to see what, what Jefferson's all about before we start worrying or lamenting Schaff's loss of minutes. Um, I'm going to go meta here. Uh, you've been involved with the team for a while. So my question as written is from the inside looking out, what has been the most surprising, interesting thing you've noticed over the course of TFC's uh, evolution. And it can be wacky, like, oh, they're all wearing pants now or something like that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, I might I might just end up going the cheesy route, but I, I do feel that um, it matters. And that is when, when you've gone to the finals as much as they've have, and when you've also won the championship, and then you've also gone to a final of CONCACAF Champions League, like, there is a winning mentality and a winning culture that everyone accepts who comes on in. I mean, that's, I mean, look at Jefferson, for example. That's the mm-hmm. first thing he mentions. I'm joining a team who is an MLS champion. And I just feel like that speaks for itself in, in many ways. Like, I started covering this team in 2008. Oh, and poor you. The day- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, I have stories about those times. <laughs> like, the, and, and I mean, the fan base is always going to be diehard. The fan base is always going to have this love and this dedication to the team. So that's not what's changed. But I'm mm-hmm. like, it's, it's, the new, it's the new players that come on board. It's the new hirings that come on board, right down from the academy to the top team, right? Where it was almost like, all right, we're going to take this team to the next level or we're going to try and improve this team. It was always like kind of moving forward where now if you enter, it's we need to maintain the winning culture, right? We need to bring people in that are not going to regress. It's all about, you know, maintaining or even achieving a different kind of level. And it's, it's understanding that you're entering a club that has won and it's a different mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, the chest is puffed out. There's already a bit of a, and I guess I kind of, I mean this in a good way, like a chip on the shoulder, like what team are you joining? Oh, I'm joining TFC. They've won. And they've also mm-hmm. been to, you know, a few other finals, by the way. So that's where I've kind of noticed a little bit of a, of a change is when new people come on in, they respect that winning culture and understand that it's a big deal to be a part of it and to maintain it. What if I could follow up? What about in the in the upper echelons of Canadian sports media? Are we still like the the ugly stepsister? Or are we getting a lot more respect? Yeah. Oh, do we have time for that? Like that? <laughs> it's a tricky one. It's 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 really tricky because you know a lot of if if you look at your traditional 
sports um, coverage. So TSN Sportsnet, right? You, you kind of call it that. Like if you look at your traditional sports networks, right? They they also are guided a lot by advertisers and sponsors and the numbers really matter. And this is where we're kind of in that conundrum phase of soccer in this country. Because even though it's still very popular and I would argue definitely on the rise too, uh, where the conundrum is, is while soccer can put butts in the seats, as we know, BMO Field, you know, getting sold out and everything, the numbers aren't necessarily manifesting themselves on TV. The ratings really aren't there, right? Um, so that's where, of course, the networks have a difficult time saying, well, if the ratings aren't there, and then how do we sell to advertisers? And soccer is a bit of a different beast in that way. There's not the commercial breaks that there typically are in hockey and everything too. So yeah, so it's like advertisers are like, where can we jam ourselves in there? And <laughs> so it gets it gets a little it gets a little trickier, right? So then of course you have you know, one soccer who's come on board, we have, you know, people who truly have a passion for it and are like, we're going to air soccer content 24 seven. But of course, in this market, in order to be competitive, because Rogers and Bell do have a monopoly, I'm not speaking out of line there when I say that, you know, working for TSN as well, but they do have that <laughs> monopoly. Um, there comes a cost with that, right? Uh, because let's also not forget that Bell and Rogers own the airwaves. So it's not exactly easy either for one soccer to get a channel on linear mm -hmm. cable. Uh, so, of course, there's, you know, the digital route that they have to go in the meantime, although many things seem to be going the digital way. But um, that's that's just where it gets a little bit more complicated, where you just try to explain, you know, to people that, yeah, you love soccer and you die hard. But on the grand scheme of, you know, where we are in Canada, the numbers aren't there. And don't take offense, because mm -hmm. even the Premier League, um, Saturday, early Saturdays and Sunday mornings weren't exactly a big draw either for the networks. They really weren't like, I mean. I think on average, the big games would, would bring in over 100,000, right? But, you know, you compare that to a hockey game, which can bring in over a million, right? So now you just start to do those types of number crunching, right? So, so hear me out. Let's say the best teams all get together and form a league. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're not I going there. We're not. Work. We might get in a lot of trouble by the fans, Good. but it might. Yeah. Be Good one, AP. This is a million yeah. dollar idea. I really like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hash it out. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to single them out, but I did hear a CBC News radio uh, clip yesterday. They were talking about Toronto FC, and they're like. Toronto FC has a new signing. And then they went on to talk about the alligator at training for like 20 <laughs> seconds and never even brought up the fact that Toronto FC had signed Jefferson Soteldo. Like not even once. It was a perfect transition and they didn't even take it. So, oh, you know, no. there's a long way to go in terms of soccer coverage in this country. But you yeah. mentioned one soccer and I wanted to ask a little bit about covering the CONCACAF Champions League and kind of the uniqueness of doing that completely remotely in, you know, every game at this point is being played in another country. Sometimes your co-hosts aren't even in the studio. Mm -hmm. What's that been like? And, and, you know, the unique mm -hmm. process that we're all going through right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why when the red light goes on, I just speak into the camera because I don't understand technology all that well. And now <laughs> I'm being forced to understand technology. <laughs> And uh, it has been quite the learning process, which I've always appreciated people behind the scenes. I appreciate them even more. Like we do our, our weekly One Soccer Today show. And my goodness, I mean, the biggest thing probably is audio delay. There's always that, you know, two second delay. And then it's always so awkward. And then you try to crack a joke and then someone speaks over you and you're like, you ruined it. And it just sounds like one big comedy of errors. But, and you also, you also just lose that, um, I mean, it's, it's really that contact conversational piece. Like, it's nice. We're, we're going to be in studio tonight, and we have been for CONCACAF Champions League. But And it's, it's so different when you can just look your analyst in the eye. And again, right, those little type of the body language where you can mm -hmm. either smile at something they said because you agree with them or roll your eyes and have a good little tete-a-tete -tete if you don't agree with what they said. So it's just that human, real-life interaction, you know, that you kind of miss. And then, of course... Being able to be at the games, well, I mean, how do I explain, you know, what October was like at BMO Field when Canada beat USA? Like, you'll, you'll never, I mean, how you absorb that feeling, how you absorb that emotion, how you can, like, I, I think I'm pretty sure Alfonso Davies, like, was cheering so hard that we felt his spit on us, although nowadays, <laughs> go and get tested after that happens, right? But I was just, I mean, how do you know? And then you bring that to your viewers. Like, people who can't be there, you can bring them there and be like, this is what it feels like. 
you know, this is the smell in the air. This is the taste in the air. Like everything, you can just bring people into the moment with you. Now, uh, I don't know. Like it would have been nice to have been at practice to see that alligator too. And then I could, you know, bring that to life. Um, mm -hmm. Although maybe not, but um, you know, it's like, you're just, I don't know. It's a different feeling. It's not there. We're making do, but I can't wait for the, for the moment where being in studio is a regular occurrence and where I can just openly to his face, laugh at Gareth um, for a lot of his antics. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to that. And then, yeah, just being back at the stadium, having fans around. I mean, I, I'll give anything to just smell that disgusting hot dog stand again <laughs> and people lining up to eat it. Like, honestly, I just, I miss it so much. Yeah. I've never wanted to spend $18 on a beer more in my oh. entire adult life. So also regarding the alligator, I think it was James Sharman, but can we agree alligator Curtis is, is its name? Can we agree? <laughs> is that what we're I, going with? Can you, can you think of one better than alligator Curtis? Cause I yeah, sure. Alley Curtis, Alec Curtis. Yeah. yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good it's one. A good one. I know. Yeah, yeah, it does work for me. Although Ugh. I mean, and that's that's not the first time that's happened to them. I think one time they were walking back from I don't I can't remember if it was training or they, they were walking back from somewhere. And I got you know, the video sent to me where there was, again, an alligator that just walked right in front of their path. And went, yeah, it's just mind its own business. I'm yeah. like, you're Those lucky Florida alligators, man. Yeah, like it's a, good, it's a good thing it already had breakfast. So I'm like, oh, my. No, thank you. No, mm -mm, no, not my cup of tea at all. Yeah. Oh man! You brought up that uh that moment of you know Canada being USA and like like that's just you bringing it up. It gave me goosebumps goosebumps mm -hmm. because thinking <laughs> back to that, that was so special. Um, but yeah. I'm going a completely different direction now with the questions. I'm circling <laughs> us back, circling us back to TFC. Anywhere you want to go. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. And I know you might have someone in your ear giving you some advice for this question, but I want to hear your opinion on this, Andy. I want to hear Andy Petrillo's opinion. Yes, Alex Bono. Mm. He's had a chance here to sort of take over that number one goalie spot for Toronto FC. He's gotten a run of games under his belt. He's eight years younger, I think, than Quentin Westberg. Mm. He's done it before, um, and just quite frankly, he's a more valuable piece for the future. But in your opinion, has he done enough to sort of take over that spot from Quentin Westberg so far? Uh, well, right now, I would say it's his net to lose. And, you know, I, I, I think that there was a good battle going on in training prior to the COVID outbreak, uh, because you have a new coach who's coming on in and he's willing to, you know, look at both keepers with fresh eyes, understanding that both are legitimate number ones. Bono was the one who had them win it in 2017. Bono was, you know, the goalkeeper of choice as well in, in 2018. And even though the regular season wasn't all that great, again, as we know, going to the final of CONCACAF Champions League. And then, yeah, you know, still kind of, you know, there were signs that he was faltering a little bit. And then, you know, Q comes on in and rightfully takes, you know, the the spot. But what's what's interesting here is, again, Chris Armas is deploying a completely different system as well than Greg Vanny. And Greg Vanny really wanted to play out of the back. And it was really important to have your goalkeeper who was really good with his feet. And that's what Quinton Westberg is. I wouldn't say he's not athletic because he is as well. Mm -hmm. But I would say if I were to look at strengths, Bones is more of the athletic type. Bones is the one who will dive and leap and, and be more stopper. aggressive. Yeah, yeah, like he's just, he'll make the highlight reels. Let's put it that way. I mean, you know, Vancouver, you, you, you know, you see what he was able to do, um, you know, in that extra time where, oh, my goodness, I thought Vancouver was going to score and it was going to end up 3-2. Oh, yeah. But, he, you know, it comes up with a big save. Um, and I just think that right now, because of circumstance, Bones was the one available mm -hmm. for leg one against Club Lyon, and he did well. And there was no reason to not play him in leg two, and then looked even better in leg two. And so there was no reason not to play him against CF Montreal. And I think, you know, CF Montreal, despite that scoreline of, of giving up four goals, I think there was an understanding that they limped into that first game, still definitely injured. The high press did not work against CF Montreal, <laughs> did not have the ability to adjust given the, the talent that was on the pitch at that time, you know, but then of course looked better against Vancouver. What do you like, you know, at, at this moment, it just kind of is what it is. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say that it's Bono's net to lose at the moment. But those two keepers are both exceptional human beings, which how freaky is it that yeah. they both share the same birthday? 
And if I'm not mistaken, Joe Bendick, I think the former TFC goalkeeper is also April 25th. Insane. Insane. Martin put couple, out a stat. Couple, yeah. yeah, there's a couple other goalkeepers that are like, That's what? a prerequisite. Prerequisite oh, yeah. to making it as a goalkeeper like, trying to see. <laughs> go back nine, ten months, kind of like what we all did with Antoine Griezmann, right? So you're like, okay, mm. what particular day that now these babies are being born on the same day? Gareth Miller did that, by the way. He's the one who did that research. I do not want to know about anyone's private life with their significant other. But uh, I, I will say that they're both exceptional human beings. And when Q got the the starter position over Bones, Bones was an exceptional number two. Yeah. Um, and I don't doubt that, it, you know, right now with Bones being the number one, that Q won't be an exceptional number two to him. So that's that's the one good thing that they, um, excuse me, that they at least have going with the goalkeepers is that they're, they're two guys who will push one another uh, and not two guys that will bring one another down. So that would never be a concern I would have with, with those two guys. But it's also a luxury. They, you know, yeah. I mean, because, oh, who's going to start? Who's going to start? Well, isn't that just a lovely luxury for TFC <laughs> yeah. to have? So not yeah. complaining too much about that. Good problem to have. Yeah, yeah exactly. very good problem to have. Now, now we've never actually met before, but, but I've heard this a lot about you. And, and that is that you are one of the most prepared of any Canadian sports television personality, which I appreciate because I'm compulsively at least 20 minutes early to any meeting yeah. in ever. Same, same. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I live in like a pile of my own chicken scratch notebooks. So I guess my question is, was it always this way for you or, or did you come at it through hard won, you know, boots on the ground kind of knowledge? And, mm -hmm. uh, and why do you think it's so important? I mean, I suspect I already know the answer, but this is for the people in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, just by going on air and kind of, you know, being in the trenches, you just automatically know, wow, there's a lot of information here to to get through and you just want to be prepared. And it also like, I, and what I also found was going on air, I would never say I was nervous. I'm always excited. Like I always get that thrill of you're about to go live. The only time I'd ever be nervous is if I felt that a curveball was thrown my way and I didn't have the proper stats or the proper storyline or the proper info to engage in that type of conversation. And I never want to be in that position. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying go ahead and kill yourself and study every single angle of, of, of everything. But yeah, you can still do a lot of work here. I would say what type of work, what type of research, that sometimes comes with time that comes with experience. Mm -hmm. um, and because you've been there, done that, then you kind of know, okay, maybe I should look up this type of information. Maybe I should have this stat available to me. That again, comes with experience. That's just the wisdom of having gone through things. Um, so in the beginning, don't ever beat yourself up. If, if you don't know what to research um, other than the obvious, because you don't know until you know, um, but, you know, and I, and I always say this, that out of all the work you do, you'll probably end up using 5% of it, but don't be discouraged by that either, because that information sometimes can carry over to the next show, you know, to the next game. And uh, the other example I would give is sometimes you end up using all that because you never know, you know, mm. Montreal, Toronto delay in Montreal because they painted the lines wrong <laughs> and the game was delayed a playoff game for 45 minutes. So, you know, you, you think you're like, all right, I have a 30-minute pregame show. I'm just going to prep, you know, because we get a script and right. you know your topics. So you do. So that's where I start. I know my topics. I do my research for my particular topics. Then I start to go above and beyond because I start to think, all right, we're talking about this, but this conversation can very easily go down this path. All right, what stats do I need to support this path conversation, right? Then I start to do that. So, yeah. 30-minute pregame show, dusted, done, and suddenly producer jumps in my ear and says, um, they painted the lines wrong. Say, well, I'm sorry, can you repeat that in my ear? They painted the lines wrong. I'm like, what lines? What are you talking about? And I see the guy with like some blowtorch, and they're like painting over, and I'm like, oh. He's like, yeah, we don't know how long it's going to be. Go. So we ended up being 45 minutes extra pregame show. And then mm -hmm. even in the truck, they have extra features, boards, because that's another thing too, right? Like in the truck, they'll do yeah. things as well. So yeah, that's where it comes in handy. So 
you better be prepared for anything that comes your way. I mean, I don't know. I haven't checked the weather just yet, but who knows? I don't know if there's a weather delay in Florida. Yeah. You better start yeah. talking, right? You better start coming up with some ideas of, of, you know, topics in order to cover your butt until the game gets going. So <laughs> that's what I'll say. It's, it's rare that it happens, but you never know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Perfect. Uh -huh. Hope. Hope that's not the case for tonight because we already have a bit of a late one. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm I, already not looking forward to. No, I can't remember the last time. So I mean, I'll I'll stay up at, till midnight, but I'm in bed. Working mm -hmm. past midnight, this is a oh my god, this is a different ball game. I'm gonna need my espresso. I don't. I'm gonna need to <laughs> eat candy just to get a sugar rush to stay awake. So I feel you. Please, no delays whatsoever yeah my, mike is planning to do a post-game show and i'm like uh whoa, okay whoa. it's a school night maybe maybe okay it's basically incumbent on what kind of mood we're in after to be completely. exactly if it's an epic yeah. game then you're like yes. yeah post-game show adrenaline kind of like flowing a, yeah yeah if it's not you're if like it's, yeah. Yeah. tomorrow's good <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do. absolutely absolutely <laughs> well Thank you so much for joining us, Andy. We've really appreciated your time and, you know, best of luck tonight with the broadcast and, and all the, the sugar rush and everything. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime, guys. You know, I love chatting TFC and soccer. Thanks, Andy. Cheers. This is awesome. See you later. <laughs> oh, man, that was fun. We Did it feel like we went through that in like five seconds? Because we were all so excited to have a chance to talk to Andy. I know. Hey, that was Andrew <laughs> Petrillo, of course, joining us. Uh, One Soccer, she'll be on the broadcast tonight. So uh, make sure you guys tune into that. And again, that was just awesome, awesome insight. She's obviously, as you, as everyone can tell watching that, she's a first-class professional. First-class professional. And her ability to communicate is just, it blew me away at least. And her insight, again, is just so valuable. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I want to know who put five angry face emojis on our on our upper thing there what were they upset about the 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 story about the the line i think that's being? a cruise azul fan i think that's oh. a cruise azul fan <laughs> six cruise azul fans uh, it's actually a well, couple of likes and one angry face oh really there you go. okay good <laughs> i, I got couldn't you handle six angry faces that, that's still a positive <laughs> ratio but yeah let's uh <laughs> let's talk about the uh the news of the day of course because we haven't uh we haven't gotten into that ourselves yet, and that, of course, is Jefferson Siltado. Fourth highest transfer fee in Toronto FC history at $6 million, only Pozuelo, Bradley Defoe, cost more. 23-year-old coming in from Santos, wore the number 10 there. I mean, uh, at, at this point, we all know what that means. Signed until 2022 as a designated player. He can play attack midfield. 2025. Sorry, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. <laughs> uh, attack midfielder can also play as a left-sided attacker. So that gives Toronto see some attacking flexibility there as well. Venezuelan international, perhaps crucially, he's good on set pieces. Um, on paper, seems like a pretty home run signing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If there's, if there's one word I'd probably use to describe him, um, it's kind of ironic because he does stand at five foot, two inches tall. It's powerful. Jefferson Soltado, to me, Soteldo, he comes off as a very powerful player. He can go left, he can go right, but every single touch he takes, from my opinion at least, is that it looks like with, it's with purpose. And it looks like he's trying to beat you, which is something that TFC lack very much. They lack a lot of guys who can take people on 1v1. And to add this sort of dynamic onto an already, in my opinion, already strong roster, again, we don't know what this team looks like because Alejandro Pozuelo hasn't even played yet. Jonathan Osorio's played, what, 20, 30 minutes. Josie Altador's mm. played maybe one full match of soccer between the four matches so far. Ayo Akinola, same thing. So we really don't know what this team looks like yet at full strength. You add in someone like Jefferson Soteldo into this mix, who, in my opinion, I believe he could be the best player in Major League Soccer. I believe that he could, he has that potential, maybe not right away, but he has that potential. He's 23 years old, and they got him at a, a, a bargain, bargain and a half, because Santos are obviously in a, a financial, I guess. Pickle. I don't say, yeah, pickle. I don't know if it's a crisis or not, but definitely a pickle. Um, mm -hmm. And TFC were smart on the market. They, you know, as Bill Manning was on here, they assessed the market. They looked at, you know, maybe even they looked at potentially what would be the value if we brought in this player now, and then three, four, even two years down the line, 
could be flip that player for even more money. If Jefferson Seltaldo comes in and he does really well right now, they could flip him for quite the the transfer fee, you know, in two, three, four years because he'll be in his prime. So for TFC to sign this player at 23 years old from Santos, which again is one of the clubs who have sent out top, top, top talent around the world. They're one of the biggest feeder clubs in the world. Um, you can talk about Neymar, Pelé, and like Lucas Mora, all these, all, always, also, no, Lucas Mora didn't come from there, but Neymar, Pelé, and a couple of other names that I just can't think of off the top of my head, they, they all came from Santos. And this is another one of those, those products that could develop into someone who's, again, a real player on the world stage, not just in, in MLS. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if TSC turned this around and flip him for a profit in a couple of years. There, there, I'm going to mangle a comment that I read on our, on our boards today. But it was um, with Seba, you know, he came in and was a cheat code in 2015 at uh, 27 or 28 years old. And, uh, and then we watched a steady decline. And that with Seltel, whatever. Yeah, for Soteldo. <laughs> Soteldo. With, with new boy, with new boy, fun size new DP, uh, you know, we might see it in reverse where because, because of the age, he might round into form as opposed to sort of decline in form during his stay in Toronto. And I thought that was a really interesting take. Well, and I think the good news here is he doesn't have to come in and be a Javinko. They already have their, their Pozuelo, right? Like I'm not saying he won't be, you know, obviously the Javinko bar is super high as Andy still said, but I mean, it doesn't mean he won't be a superstar player, but they already have Pozuelo. They already have a built-in team, right? Like this is, this is closer to a Vasquez signing than it is to a Javinko or Pozuelo signing just in the sense of, he doesn't have to be that guy. He just has to be someone who can complement this team and add uh, another big boost of, of offense and you know all the other things he brings to the table to the group. So I think that context for the signing makes it important as well. I don't know if Jefferson Soteldo would want to hear that, Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's 23. He's making a move. Yeah. He, he's voiced that he's wanted to you know, go to Europe. And he's making a move over to MLS, obviously, where he wants to win. But this is a guy who's oozing with confidence. He insisted that he wore that number 10 shirt for Santos. And again, we've talked about this a bunch in the past. We know what it means to wear that number 10 shirt for Santos. The club president at Santos, when he first made that request, they handed him a blank jersey. And I guess they thought he was joking when he first put in that request. So then he had to bring it up again there and they finally gave him that number. And there's a story on FIFA.com where he like, he turned around and the crowd went nuts. Um, this is a guy that, that understands the moment. And I think he, he, he wants to live up to that moment, wants to live up to that hype. I agree with you though, from a Toronto FC perspective, it's a good team to come into because he doesn't have to necessarily be that guy. Although I don't know. I don't know if that's, that's the way he'll, he'll play this. I don't know if he'll kind of ease himself into the squad. I think this is a guy that wants to make a difference every time he's on the pitch. So let's, let's look out for that. Bill Manning talked about on the show um, that TFC in the crucial moments last season, they were missing that difference maker. They were missing that, that Javinko or Altidore in the past that were able to find that, that crucial goal that TFC needed. I think this is a, that's a reason why they brought in this type of player. Because I think he, he, in this way that almost Pozuelo does, um, the game almost revolves around Soteldo from what I've seen. He, he isn't afraid to go out there and, and you know, take the game over. So let's, let's see if that does play, in, play to fruition. But like you said, it is a good team to come into. Am I remembering incorrectly or did he not score a pretty clutch goal in his debut for Santos? I think he did. Yeah, he scored a couple of clutch goals. I know that he was... Um, yeah, named to yeah. a couple of best 11s as well. Like he, he's done it. He's done it yeah. in the past, and that's why he's he's been rated so highly before. You know, obviously the pandemic. What's going on with shirt number thirty, boys? <laughs> I don't like that at all. I think uh, I don't think he'll be wearing thirty for long. Really, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Because, like, I, I I said this on my post game or our post game show my post game mm. show now because none of you are there <laughs> i said it on, i, I was there it. i was there in spirit <laughs> that is true jeff um like who what other number what is was he gonna wear like jaquil's well, number he, seven 
that's not. Yeah, well, that's that's anywhere. the one I'm targeting. I think maybe Jaquiel's not going to be number seven for much longer. So. Uh, he just made the shift over, and he changed his Instagram handle. Come on, you change your Instagram. <laughs> oh, he changed his Instagram much, handle. Pretty much official. <laughs> Whoa, I'm sorry. I'm um, sorry. I didn't realize that. <laughs> so, yeah. So Jaquiel's number seven. Mark Delgado's mm. eight. Eric Sangaro's nine. Pause is ten. Jaden Nelson is eleven. You go. You know th- those sort of numbers that were in his range. You go down the list. He they're taken already um and if he's a designated player you i don't I'd, I'd be surprised if he changes his number okay uh can we do a public service for uh for the people out there no no he does not have a twitter it is a fake account run by a russian bot please don't don't engage there we go you know how jeff's like sometimes right about like the wildest things like we think back to that greg vanny situation where he he called like greg vanny leaving to la galaxy way earlier and we all blew him away same thing happened yesterday in our wake in the red chat with with soteldo soteldo follows this jefferson soteldo account follows us on twitter and it looks legit like tfc's following him tfc's tagging him all the posts the account like it couldn't be made to look more more legit aside from the fact it's make it's missing that blue check mark like the people that he's following it's like all athletes it looks like you would have like a common interest with and <laughs> it turns you gotta out wake like, up as, earlier in the morning to fool me buddy that's all I have to say. as tfc you know found out the hard way <laughs> That account is not run by Jefferson Soteldo. Like Jefferson Soteldo nope. is not on Twitter. I've been thanks for the question, but yeah, he's not on Twitter. He's just on Instagram. So don't be fooled yep. like we did. But that being don't said, be whoever that guy is that did follow us on that Wake and Red account, you love welcome, him. <laughs> welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. <laughs> I got another uh, question from Ivan, and and uh, yeah, thirty was the number he wore at his boyhood club. I read that in an article somewhere. So so that's why he chose 30. Yeah. I mean, when there's nothing yeah. else to choose, I guess, you know, you come up with a, a cool story like that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. to, to be fair, yeah, I, I don't think Tronoff sees done here. And I think they made that very clear today with uh, another move acquiring more general allocation money. I can't tell you why the international spot they sent to FC Dallas was worth more than the international spot they sent to Orlando City um, by about 25K, but they did get another 200K to add to their salary budget. So we do expect them to make another move potentially shortly here. I mean, if they're acquiring this money like this, we think that they'd probably be doing so soon. And, you know, trading away international spots like this we probably expect it to be a domestic signing as well so you know what what do we think they could be doing here with with all this new money they have to splash around i know what just you guys say, want to say man. just say, say the it. d word just say, say it, it say double d i i don't know if i'm convinced like if <laughs> i will shut that in, down in a second once you if do they're it. bringing in dom dwyer i think it's one of two signings like i think they're because I think they're probably going for a center back here. I think they need yes, more center Yes, that back would be agreeable. Been the, the, been I don't know if they the do a center the back. Season, but no? I, you think I a think, left back? I think their their main position of need right now is a fullback. Because they are one, like, knock on wood, please. They are one Richie Larea injury away from finding themselves in a really bad situation here at, at fullback. Um, because besides Aro and Justin Morrow... Who are you going to slot into that fullback role? It's Nick DeLeon is probably the next best option. Maybe Griffin, Griffin Dorsey. Dorsey yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe Delgado. But that's that's what I'm trying to say is that you're getting into those that gray area. So mm-hmm. TFC and Brady Reed had a great point on the post game show. Super sub Brady Reed who filled in for y'all. Um, he brought up the fact that we haven't seen Julian Dunn as yet. We haven't seen um, what he looks like. And there's also Luke Singh, who the t- team just signed. Um, and if you want to talk depth at a position, TFC have more depth at center back than they do on, at, at fullback. Way more depth. They have two more players that can play. Rocco, you know, center back. in Denmark. Yeah. Rocco's another guy who is going to be coming back in June when his loan expires, unless, of course, another loan happens. So I think there's a more dire need right now to shore up that fullback position like we saw when they brought in Tony Gallagher last season. Um, 
again, Gallagher might be a little bit of a tougher one this season because they're trading away international roster spots. I, I agree with Mitch. I think it has to be a sort of a domestic player. But in my opinion, at least, I think fullback is the option that this team needs to to shore up. Um, a lot of people are quick to point at Omar Gonzalez and how he's struggling to fit in the system. We still don't know what the system looks like because Chris Mavinga hasn't played a game yet. What does this? What does Omar Gonzalez look like next to Chris Mavinga when he's not having to? No offense to Luke Singh, but he's not having to carry a, a center back beside him. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's it's fair to really assess this team's center back situation just based off those first couple of games, at least. Brexit. Never. Um, <laughs> I never have Tom Dwyer. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> In terms of Dom Dwyer, it, mm. here's why I believe that that signing won't happen, at least in the first transfer yes. window. In the first transfer veins. window, at least. Oh, go ahead. So he's coming off a serious knee injury, which he's he's supposed to be he was supposed to be sidelined the rest of last season and going and he missed training camp as well this season. Um, it's different knee injury than Achara, but that timeline is sort of the same. So when Dom Dwyer gets to 100%, I don't know if that's right now. If Dom Dwyer signs, you know, in May, is he at 100%? I think you're still kind of easing him into the mix. I don't know if you're expecting the best out of Dom Dwyer. So here's my counter to that. Why not wait until the summer? Why not wait until the summer when you know he's recovered from that knee injury? He could still train with the team in the meantime. And then his salary budget charge, whatever he comes in at, is half as much as it would be. You know he's putting that knee injury, for the most part, at least behind him. And he can make more of an impact there in the summer. Plus, it helps out your salary budget immensely. Why not wait until the summer? Because he's an injured forward, of course we're going to sign him. That's our <laughs> MO. We've signed him already. <laughs> if, he, if, he can't, if he can barely walk, then he's a member of TFC. God damn it. Yeah, and another point to build off that is that TFC have the, so much depth up top now that Josie mm. Alter is healthy, Io Akinola is healthy, Patrick Mullins is healthy. They have so much depth that Jordan Perusa can't even find his way onto the Champions League roster, the 23-man Champions League roster. And if you want to bring in Dom Dwyer to take in minute, take away minutes from Jordan Perusa, I don't know about that, man. I, not even Jordan Perusa. Like, take away mil- minutes from Patrick Mullins, your boy, Jeff. Don't like, say it. Don't say it. Why are you saying that? Jeez. Go ahead. I yeah, I don't know about that, man. Like, for me, it just it makes no sense right now for TFC to bring in Dom Dwyer um, unless he's forcing their hands some way and they really believe that they have something there. Well, let's get into the the Michael Singh injury report because I think it's a, a good time leading into the, oh, the Cruz Azul game. Who who do we have hold here on. for Mike, for Mike Singh injury report? It's the Michael Singh injury report. <laughs> Go ahead. What an intro. Let, 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 let that simmer there for just a second. <laughs> The Michael Singh injury report. Wow, we got a yep. we got an official, you know, lead into this and everything. Um, Good money, no whammies. Yeah, so we'll start with non-injury first, and let's talk about Richie Larea. He will not be available for Toronto FC tonight as he is forced to miss out this match due to a suspension, yellow card accumulation. So no Richie tonight, and that's a massive, massive blow to Toronto FC because he's, he's been their best player this season. Mm-hmm. Hands down, in my opinion, not even close. He's been their best player this season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how TFC line up down that right-hand side. I, obviously, I think Aro's going to shift over to the right, Moro to the left. But how do they, they you know change their style of play so it's not just Richie providing the width anymore? Um, Aro is a different type of fullback than Richie. I don't know if he can go up and down like Richie does. So it'll be a little bit of a different system this time. Um, on that injury report as well, Alejandro Pozuelo, he's not, on, he's not on the Champions League roster. He will not be playing tonight. Um, as Chris Armas told us yesterday that he's, he's a little bit for He's like, he's close, but he's a little bit further away. He's not there yet to participate tonight. So no pause tonight. Um, I, I, I'd be surprised if he's not back next Tuesday. He has been training. Um, I think he's been training on his own, but he is close to, again, to returning. Um, positive news, 
we will get we will see Chris Mavinga in some capacity tonight. I don't know if TFC are going to bring him into the match off the bench. I don't know even know if they're going to use him off the bench. I don't know if he's going to start. But the good news is that Chris Mavinga is available tonight for the first time this season, which is massive. Fabulous. Massive for Toronto FC because obviously we've talked about the question marks at the back line. Um, so it's, it's just great to have Mavinga as an option. Liam Frazier also will not be available tonight. Uh in turn, Erickson Gallardo, Achara, Julian Dunn as well. So, though I think that's it. It's, it's good news that the list is getting sh- shorter. The segment's getting shorter. We don't have to go as long in this segment. So that's a positive sign for TFC. They are heading in the right direction. And again, with all of these injuries, we still don't know what this team actually looks like. Yeah, no, yep. I think that's a that's a very fair point. Another good thing to mention on the on the injury thing is Toronto FC doesn't have a game this weekend, which I think is pretty massive in terms of not having to you know roll out a team in in between the two legs. And Cruises will do have a game. Some of the other teams in the the Champions League as well do have games in between. So Toronto FC, a little Ooh. bit uh, of fortune from the schedule makers there, especially considering you know how things have have gone and again i've mentioned it every week but they are playing this game in florida so again the travel is helpful for toronto FC. they don't have to to move very much and and that's at this point in the season that that can be huge as well um but yeah let's preview a little bit this this game let's against well because it's absolutely massive and once again toronto FC coming in massive underdogs cruises will only lost twice this year in the close era they're leading by a fair amount for reference leon had lost seven times um with that being said i mean it's toronto fc in the champions league we say they're the underdogs every time but as we all know there's always a chance with this team and you know internally they always seem to believe that they can get the job done so they at least have the that belief on their side and and yeah i mean you know again i think I think this will be an interesting matchup for sure, though, because this is this is a tough test, and this round in general for MLS is just going to be it might be a bloodbath because all the best Mexican teams are, are left, and you know it, it, this is this is going to be an, as for as big and as impressive as the Club Leon win was. This one would be even bigger. This is the real challenge. This this mm-hmm. match right here is the real challenge for Toronto FC. Um, Mitch, you joked about this. It may be Club Leon weren't as good as, as they seen, but I still do fall back on that a bit. I know Jeff's going to kill me for that. I, like, I'm not. No, no, I'm, I away. agree with you. I like. What are we all being paid by Liga MX Hatander? Like, they Club suddenly Club Leon were terrible. They, you know, when going into the match, they were the Apertura, the, the Apertura champions. They were on a hot streak. They had hot hands. I'm feeling the same hyperbole. It's like every time we go up against the Mexican. Well, you know, they've got guys on the team that play soccer really well. Well, of course, but we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go and we're gonna and we're. Gonna in a school them hopefully yeah so, so. and this was still like I, yes they had good form getting into that match but this was still a team that you know was eighth in liga mx at the time that's not good yeah. that's not great but it's still you know we got to respect our opponent that was still a, a good team that was still a good win that toronto fc pulled off and a fantastic win that toronto fc pulled off but this team cruz azul different breed very aggressive different. team very aggressive, different breed. Yeah, and I'll get into that in a second. But oh, this sorry. is a team that hasn't hasn't lost. I think in its last sixteen matches, I think they've won their last thirteen out of fourteen games in Liga MX. This, when I say like this team is a different breed, this is a, this is the best of the best when it comes to Liga MX right now, at least in this current twenty twenty one campaign. So. If TFC somehow find a way without Alejandro Pozuelo, without Soteldo, to pull off a win, it should be one of the most iconic results in Toronto FC history, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Do you no, do sure. you is a is the is a win the only result that we? I mean, obviously we want to keep it low scoring because of away goals, but you know, let's be honest. Like as long as we can hang, this is aggregate football. This is my favorite kind of football. It all comes together next week, uh, and you know, Keep presumably close, yeah. next, presumably next week we've got we've got pause back. We've got you know, new boy. Uh, I, I I just keep it close. You know, a win yeah. a win is a win is 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 you know they will sing songs about this day. Keep it close. 
uh, go down to the Azteca and, and you know, kick ours. <laughs> hey, we've done it before. It, yeah, we have. We with, have. With, go with ahead, that man. being said, I, as far as I know, the only time Toronto FC's ever won a match in Mexico was against Chivas in that final when obviously they won the game but didn't win the war. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, in all of the in all of the famous Champions League ties for Toronto FC, it's been the home leg really that has hinged on Toronto FC's success. So, again, keep it close. What is wrong you know, with you, Mitch? Jeez. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that the home leg is incredibly, incredibly important. Okay. And you want to go down to the second leg with at least some kind of advantage because, uh, again, th- this is. I think this is Toronto FC's opportunity to to get a leg up. Okay. And we have I a don't dispute here. that. It will, it will be tough with not a full lineup versus Zool. Hopefully they pull it out because this will be the biggest hurdle in the Champions League run. I think that, that sums it up nicely. Um, and as Jeff pointed out there, this is a very aggressive team. And TFC have been playing that high press as well. Here's what I'll add. I think this Toronto FC team will play off the counter tonight. Ooh. I think they're really going to park the bus. Not, I don't know necessarily park the bus, but I think they're going to tuck in. Okay. And I think we're going to see the likes of Jacob Schaffelberg um, up top. I don't know who he'll play with, maybe a, a Josie Altero, but I'll be shocked if Jacob Schaffelberg's not in this game. Um, okay. So I think they're going to see TFC sort of play off the counter and try and exploit some some spaces in behind um, Cruz Azul tonight. Because like Jeff pointed out, this is a very aggressive team. They like to press themselves. They like to push up with numbers. They like to they have attack so many weapons. It's crazy how many. So yeah, many it's weapons. crazy how many different ways they can hurt you. It's it's kind of obscene. It's what we hope TFC will be when everybody's healthy, which is kind of fun. But exactly, yeah. uh, Jonathan Rodriguez, just off the top of my head, I think he's he's a, the leading scorer here for Cruz Azul. Um, they also have the league leader in in assists. I, I forget his name right now, but the league leader in league MX in assists. Uh, they have a couple of different options that can just you know punish you and. Quite frankly, they're more lethal options than what Club Leon had to offer. So yeah. this is this is as big as they get, gentlemen. And again, we're fa- the home tie. I hope that favors Toronto FC. Obviously, they have a weaker side, but they need to. I think they need to at least get a get a draw tonight um, if they want a shot okay. there uh, next week. I'd agree with that. And- I think in in a lot of ways the return. I mean, we've talked about the return of Chris Mavinga and how big that could be. The return of Jonathan Osorio, I think, is is massive in this game because one, we know what Osorio can do at Concacaf. We've seen that in the past, and and obviously the 2018 run, he was up there with Sebastian Javinko for the most key players. But I think that midfield balance for Toronto FC is going to be absolutely critical tonight in terms of not letting, uh, as we've said, very talented Cruz Azul side play through them. And I think Osorio, his flexibility, I mean, we've we've kind of seen that the past couple of games, especially in MLS. There just hasn't been that flexibility of midfield player. There's been too many guys, be it Delgado out wide, be it, you know, maybe Noble Okello playing a little too wide. Like, Toronto FC maybe has put some, some square pegs in round holes that didn't work in the midfield. And I think Osorio is one of those guys who can ship shift his shape when he needs to in the way that Swiss I don't Army think day. any other yeah absolutely I don't think any other Army, Toronto FC yeah. midfielder has you know that ability to be as good in as many positions as Jonathan Osorio is so with that being said I think that return is huge and that's the key player that I'd be looking at for tonight for Toronto FC because you know come CONCACAF we know we know Osorio is a big game player yeah thank you man Andy talked about, uh, you know, taking us back to that moment of, of Canada versus USA at BMO Field. Can you imagine if this match tonight was at BMO Field? Can you imagine that atmosphere if there you were... You already got robbed of one with the Leon. I'm telling yeah. you, that would have been a legendary, legendary game. Um, but I think the atmosphere would have been just electric tonight because uh, this this game is, is special. This game, yep. to me... Like I told you, I joked around about this, you know, in our Slack chat, but who cares about what happened against Vancouver? That's like <laughs> so far in my memory. Like that's just pushed to the side. Like I pretty much forgot they played a match against Vancouver because mm-hmm. I think my attention has just been focused on this game. And I think TSC's attention has just been focused on this game. I said this so many times on this podcast, but we know what, what Bill Manning wants to win. 
we know mm-hmm. what trophy this club wants to win, and that's the CONCACAF Champions League. And I think the club coming out and saying that, I think that would have made the whole occasion just so much more special at BMO Field, like, especially against a Liga MX side like this. So, oh, man, Absolutely. I'm just so pumped. I'm just so pumped. <laughs> uh, I can't remember. Ooh, uh, I can't remember. Friend of the show, Alex Gonge Ruzik, had me on um, his podcast, uh, the third sub, to to preview the game. And I felt kind of bad because every time you like bring up the Vancouver Whitecaps, they'd be like, "Yeah, but Cruz Azul on Tuesday." Like, <laughs> 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 like I, I felt bad. So it almost made it clear that, like, look, Toronto, like this game's kind of important to TFC, but like they're they're all of us are kind of looking ahead here right like i just wanted to <laughs> wanted to mention that because you know i read an i read an article or it was a tweet or maybe i invented it i hope i didn't invent it i'm pretty sure it was matt doyle or, or one of the one of the mls guys and they said that cruz azul has a pretty crappy record against mls sides just no. some weird winkle uh, i think they lost and- to lafc last season in in the the concaf champions league and Chris Armas actually spoke about that point, Jeff, and mm. he said, "Oh, good! That, I didn't invent it. Amazing! This is, this <laughs> is yeah. Good stuff. I don't yeah. necessarily right. know if he brought up uh, Cruz Azul's kind of record against MLS teams, but he brought up the fact that LAFC made that run to the the Concacaf Champions League final, and arguably were the better side in that final. He made the argument that the gap between MLS and Liga MX has shrunk dramatically." Now MLS with allocation money and you know all the money that they can sort of throw at their roster, they're catching up rapidly to to where Liga MX is, and it's that sort of belief that he's injected into his side, he's instilled into his side, and they really believe that they can take it to Cruz Azul. Mark Delgado was was talking about being on the front foot, not let giving them any space, stuff like that. So. I think this is a side that's going to enter this match with with the utmost amount of confidence, and we're right there with them right now. We're right there with why, them. Why, why'd you Why'd you have to bring up Mark Delgado in a in a conversation <laughs> about the Concacaf Champions League? I mean, hey, did you do that? Gonna, on she's going to shed that demon. Watch, he's going <laughs> to shed that demon. I'm calling it, man. He's going to shed that yeah. demon. Excellent, excellent. No, it's going to be a great game, and and I love everyone's worried that they're not going to be awake. Who are we kidding? Of course, we're going to be awake at 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> we're just going to be pissed because we've had to be awake for so many hours before 10 o'clock tonight, but ain't nobody's going to be falling asleep for this one. I'm going to double down on, on Mike's call. I'm going to say Mark Delgado from the penalty spot will score a goal tonight for TFC. Let's go. Let's go. He's, he's our new designated prediction. PK taker, taker, eh? I think Oro yeah, lost oh, yeah. his job after, you know, <laughs> definitely lost his job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and a lot of people were asking about that 10 p.m. start. So, like, why is TFC playing at 10 p.m.? They're playing in Florida. Oh, it's not up to TFC, unfortunately. It's not, right. yeah, maybe it's TV numbers, but it's the it's CONCACAF ske- scheduling. Like there's, mm-hmm. uh, I think Atlanta United also played tonight. Um, it could be a different team, but I think it's Atlanta. They play like before TFC, so they don't want to overlap the time slots. So they nope. just push TFC nope. back to 10 p.m. And it is what it is. Like Arma said, they're, they're not going to add that to the pile of excuses that they could. They're going to go out there and just play their game. Nothing's changing. Except they said they might take a nap or two in between, so there's that. <laughs> I, but. Should, I should hope so. Yeah, I also I'm imagine like, I, I yeah. might take a nap. Yeah, I was just about to say. Not, yeah, and I'm not uh, running around for 90 <laughs> minutes. But with that being said, won't be the same heat. So Toronto FC will have a bit of an advantage in terms of playing the style they want to because it's going to be a little later on in the day. Before mm-hmm. we finish up here, I just wanted to quickly mention the Olympic group for the Canadian women's national team, which was drawn this week. They're going to be playing Team GB. Uh, the host Japan and Chile. That's obviously a pretty tough group. I mean, Japan and, and GB are solid, even if Canada did beat two thirds of GB in the last international window. I don't know if that, that counts, considering they didn't beat them together. But um, nonetheless, yeah, I, I thought it was it was worth mentioning. And obviously, we still hope the Olympics happen. Go team, George Bedencourt. It's <laughs> uh. <laughs> not not the worst draw. Uh. Um, well, it ain't, it ain't the worst draw. It's not the worst draw that Canada could have had. Uh, I, th- I think they they might go into this group as maybe even the favorites. Obviously, you got to give some respect to GB. Um, when Canada beat them, it wasn't really their their top top side that GB was throwing out. But Canada's you know credit is never it, neither was Canada's. They're missing mm-hmm. quite a few players as well. So it'll be interesting to see those two teams go go head to head. Obviously, Japan's another 
team that has had success in the on the women's side in the past. They're not quite the same team they were in the past, but who knows? They're they're obviously a team that could, you know, pull off an upset if get on the right day. But this Absolutely. also sets up a potential semifinal matchup against the U.S. If all things kind of go to plan here, of course and, it does. <laughs> damn, <laughs> damn. <laughs> That's what I'll say to that. But hey, you know, Canada—they're still holding on to that. Was it 2012? They're still holding mm-hmm. on to that. They they talk about it quite often. And a semifinal against the U.S. Licking their lips potentially for some of these yeah, some yeah. of these players Absolutely. who have wanted that redemption because they were robbed. They were to robbed. be the best, you have to beat the best. It's uh, mm-hmm. there you go. And we saw it at the She Believes Cup. Canada's probably closer to the U.S. than they've been in I don't know several years now. So yeah. it's we'll see. I mean, it'll be a, again. We have to get there in terms of the tournament, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a good group for Canada. They'll be tested in all three games, and and hopefully they can get out. I mean, hopefully they can get out first because you never want to finish second in Olympic group because just the top teams that you'd have to play if you finish second. I think it's like Brazil or Netherlands they might have to go up against if they finish second, and that's not even mentioning if they get out was one of those lucky losers in third. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's gonna be Olympic tournaments are always are always kind of wild. Hey, Sweet. that's the name of the game. That's the yep, name of the absolutely. game. Well, let's uh, let's wrap things up there. Um, obviously, a massive, massive game tonight at 10 p.m. So we're all looking forward to that. Have to head over to Waking the Red Wolf. All of your game day coverage, as always. Um, and, of course, head over to One Soccer, where Andy Petrillo and the crew will give you a great pregame show for, for that one and, and postgame show as well. Um, uh, we'll see if we do one. That's that's up to Mike. That's up to Mike's sleep <laughs> schedule. Um, so we'll we'll find that out later. But yeah, thanks thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Till next Tuesday. Ciao.